Hello, and welcome to Tammy Ginders. And somehow we have reached the final episode of this series. I can't believe it. I wonder how that happened. It's a mystery to me. I wonder how anything happens on this programme. We are on the last programme. We are dipping in the sea. And we're hearing more about one of the island's unsung greatest poets. And somewhere along the line, we're going to try and make a homemade lava lamp. Yeah. We've got the ingredients for that. We're going to do it in the studio as we speak. So what could possibly go wrong? Maybe not too close to the um, desk. Okay, yeah. yeah. I won't, we fun. won't do it over the actual mixing desk. Okay. Yeah, good idea. Okay, well, welcome along as ever, Beth and myself with Tammy Ginders. And we're going to start uh, with a bit of culture, actually. You might have heard there was a wonderful little piece that uh, Ewan did on the news. Uh, James Franklin from Culture Van came up. They've just released a book of the poems of Paul Lebedzinski. First time he's been in print in 25. He died back in the 1990s at the age of only 43. Widely regarded as one of the greatest poets in recent times on the Isle of Man. He was funny, angry and provocative in turns. To find out more, I had a chat with James Franklin. Late summer, Gabriel Crowe and I worked till the velvet shades of eve to pull the bent and swiftly tie in sheaves before the falling leaf of autumn came. He was the son of an RAF pilot who came over here from Poland and was stationed at Derby and stayed. And he married um, a Manx woman, and they um, had Paul Lebeżynski. And he grew up in Ramsey, who's very much a Ramsey man. And for a period, he was living with his grandmother in South Ramsey. And in his um, mature years, he went through various interesting and strange jobs until eventually he became a gardener. But by nighttime, he took on this role as a wonderful poet, going around the pubs and homes and clubs and whatnot performing this extremely exciting, fun poetry, which was amazing. And it is performing again, because obviously not all poets are performers as such. No, and I think today we have this very definite idea of performance poetry. Perhaps poets even have a special voice when they do performance poetry. But back in Paul's time, certainly, it was just poetry which was alive. And certainly he wrote poems which could entertain people and bring particular stories or ideas to life and he had people rolling in the aisles laughing or crying in the pubs it was great what were his main themes then because again i I think some people those in the poetry circle will certainly have heard of him for others it might be a completely new name what were his themes because as you say he could be very funny but he was also by and large very provocative and very he always came across as quite sort of a, maybe quite sort of nationalistic and sort of um, a, a certain anger in a lot of the poems yeah i think what's so great about his poetry is that there are all these different voices present and he has almost distinctive poems often enough he has these beautiful heartfelt things like thatching down south or lamfell chapel which are reflective of a time gone by and then you have these brilliantly funny things about um characters around ramsay or politics having a good laugh at the politics of the time and then you have these incredible angry poems this the like of which i don't know elsewhere in manx poetry this is a unique voice where he is getting vitriolic about the 
the policies of the 70s and 80s and 90s, for instance, the new resident policies, where certainly Paul and others felt that their manxness was being threatened and the face of the Isle of Man was being changed, not for the better, but forever. And so he saw the what was for him the destruction of South Ramsey, and he saw many other changes, and he put to voice the spirit which at least he had at the time. And for many, this sort of message will be um, a bit of history, but for others, this will be new. And it is amazing things to hear someone this angry and this um, able to express these sorts of emotions in poetry. It's really amazing. So this is a new book, a collection of his poems coming out. This is the first such book, I think, is it? It is. And it's very surprising in a sense, that a poet of this stature and this brilliance never had a poetry book out during his lifetime. But he died very young. He died in 1995, 25 years ago, at the age of only 43. And towards the end of his life, um, things began to fall apart for him, partly through alcohol. And so he didn't leave his life in perhaps the most ordered fashion. And perhaps that's why a book never happened because he passed away in a disordered way. And so it's very nice now to have worked with his family to create this book. And do you think, you were hinting at the reasons, I was going to ask why do you think he's been sort of ignored for so long, you hinted at some reasons there. Do you think the actual content of the poetry itself again, because he's quite often having a, a good old pop at the establishment in many ways, might not endear him to, uh, to those within power, perhaps? <laughs> Absolutely. Well... Certainly he, he was not, didn't endear himself to those of authority or in power. There's no doubt about it. That was a part of his mission in many of the poems to question, to challenge and to make people think and reflect, which is a part of why his poems are so important. But after a gap of 25 years, for many people, these names, some of the names which pop up in here will be foreign names to people. Some will be um, remembered strongly either way. Um, but I think the main reason why we never we haven't seen his poetry produced since then was, well, immediately after his death, a cassette tape was put out, Six Foot Under, which was then digitised and released a couple of years ago by Culture Vannin. But it's taken a long while to gain the trust of Paul's brother and the family to entrust the manuscripts to us to be able to transcribe and to go through these tens of notebooks and these hundreds of loose pieces of paper to go through everything he wrote which remains to create this book of 63 poems. So has it been a work in progress for some time by the sound of it? Yeah, a very happy, somewhat slow process, um, mainly on my shoulders to have, well, the slowness is my fault, I should apologise, <laughs> sorry everyone, but um it's been years going through this wonderful collection. And when I say scraps of paper, it is indeed down to ripped up pieces of envelopes, um, backs of beer mats and just all sorts of things. Obviously, this was inspired stuff which just came to him and he scribbled down these lines on the back of a receipt or wherever it was. And that is... And then you have these different versions of the same poem and you need to make decisions. And it's been a very exciting process to get here. Does it still have relevance, you think, in, in the modern world now, in today's world, bearing in mind, as you say, these were written sort of 20, 30 years or more ago? Yes, absolutely. I grew up 
around Ramsey and Mackled up north. And for me, I would have seen him around town, but I don't remember him at all for my youth. But for me, rediscovering his poetry or discovering his poetry for the first time, it's a revelation to me. His voice is unique in Manx poetry and also it's unique of a time. If there is a voice of the Isle of Man of the 80s and 90s, it's Paul's voice. And any particular pieces which stick in your mind as poignancy or particular relevance or, or indeed something which when you've been going through some of these notes, whatever you thought, yeah, that, you know, there's one that sticks in your mind particularly. The beautiful poems like Thatching Down South are legendary for a very good reason. They're beautiful things, the like of which there are very few other poems like this from the Isle of Man. They're beautiful things. But for me, some of the poems like um, Colonel Pimp, for instance, which is about a, a Wenai coming from the colonies to claim or colonise almost the Isle of Man. I'll gravel until I own every green hill and the Manx men are driven away. Colonel Pimp was a bold speculator who came here from India to dwell in the cheap Isle of Man where he grabs all he can and abuses his workers like hell. It's an extremely angry and at one point would have been an offensively angry poem. Um, For me, this sort of poem is most exciting. This is something very, very special. Old Gabriel will go home to spend his days till snowdrops burst the ground. When comes the warmth, we'll meet, old friend, to thatch the ancient crofts again. Wonderful stuff. The poems of Paul Lebeginski, James Franklin, talking to you there. You can pick up the book Until the Manxmen Are Driven Away. The selected poems of Paul available from bookshops around the island or directly from Culture Van and Amir. £8.50. Terrific stuff. You're listening to Tamagindas here on Manx Radio with Beth and Howard. And speaking of books, last week we were talking to Bob Stimson, the author of a book about Sir Frank Gill. If you still don't know who Sir Frank Gill is, you need to go back and listen to the podcast. He was an incredible Manxman. But we did have a copy of Bob's book to give away. We asked a question last week. Where was Sir Frank born? The answer was in the shop that is now the co-op in Castletown. Yeah. Uh, Lots of you got the answer right, so well done. We put all the names into a hat, and we have a winner, Howard. We do indeed. Uh, We pulled out uh, a gentleman that used to teach me, tried to teach me chemistry many, many years ago, Peter Clegg out at Spootvane. Well done, Peter. We'll uh, arrange for that book to be delivered to you. I'll drop you a line and you can come pick it up as such like, but a a fantastic book. You'll really enjoy that, and uh, well done indeed. Time now then for the weekly challenge. And just to mix it up a bit, we are going to do it as we speak Mm. this evening. So H has got his camera at the ready. And what we're doing is we are making a homemade lava lamp. That's the idea anyway. So um, here we have a pint glass of water, which is about three quarters full. What we need to do is uh, we've got some food colouring, some oil and some salt and a spoon. That's it. So first of all, we just put a little drop of food colouring into the water. Oh, sugar. Oops. That was, <laughs> that was quite that was a lot. There. That was quite a lot. Oops. Sorry. Oh, so we go. Never mind. Um, then we fill up. Give that little stir with the back of the spoon. Oh, right, okay. That's it. The I'll back of the spoon. Uh, well, yeah, the long part of the spoon. Oh, it doesn't matter. Any part of the spoon, really. <laughs> There we go. Yeah, that's not too bad. It looks like Ribena. It does. Don't drink it. Right, now we fill it up with oil until there's about an inch 
Well, yeah, good layer of oil, but obviously don't overflow. Left at the top. So you think that's enough? Okay. But a bit more, a bit more. You want a bit more of a layer, that's it. Keep going. That's it. Okay. Happy now? Yep. Right, there we go. Okay, okay, so we can see the separation starting. And then we get some salt. And we add spoonfuls of salt and stir it. That should be it, really. Don't stir, just... What, just put it in? Rub it in, yeah. Oh, right, okay. That's it. Have you done this before? I'll put one more in and then we'll see how that goes. Let's see if that actually works. So put one more in there now. And think... see if we get... Oh, look. You can see sort of bubbles. I wonder if I put too much food colouring in. Oh, no. Well, what we'll do is... We'll keep an eye on that one and see how it goes on. I can see the bubbles. It's quite oh, exciting, isn't We'll it? add a bit more salt and in the meantime we'll crack on and then we'll come back to it and see if it's uh, working. I've never done this one before myself. Okay. Well, in the meantime then, do you want to hear about my new hobby? Yes, go on then. Well, this, as you will hear, is uh, our Christy D's fault and it was something that I had never, ever contemplated doing before. But actually, as I'll tell you at the end... I've done it twice now. So it's Saturday morning, it's raining, it's just coming up to 10 o'clock, so what better thing to do on a day like this then, than to head down to the beach and go in the sea. Now, it's probably worth pointing out that I don't go in the sea at the height of summer. I don't do cold water, I can't stand getting in a swimming pool if it's not optimum temperature. But Christy D has persuaded me that this is the thing that all the cool kids are doing. So I'm going to give it a go. I'm uh, booted up and I'm sure it's going to be great. How do you feel about cold water hole? I love it. Any top tips for me? Just keep going. Right, just keep going. Okay. So we're here on the prom. <laughs> you look a bit scared, Beth. Well, do you know what? You've turned up in all the gear, CD. What's this you got going on? I'm wearing a beautiful toweling robe, uh, complete with hood. It's actually awesome. These, uh, these ponchos, you put them on over your swimsuit and you can get changed underneath them and they dry you as well. They're great. I wasn't told that there was an official uniform. I'm not prepared for this. I've just got a towel. <laughs> Christine Collister, you're rocking a big one. A big one? <laughs> That's not a sentence I ever thought I'd hear. <laughs> Yes, this is my. This is the first outing of my big one. Right. Um, and uh, I'm reliably informed that as soon as you put it on, it soaks up all the, the you know, the moisture. So, uh, but this is my fourth time in. It's clearly addictive. Just tell me exactly what's going to happen. Exactly. Run me through it. Yeah. No. Well, <laughs> we're going to wait for the Queen of the Sea, Joe Collister, who's going to come and join us. She goes in every single day, and so essentially, because Christine and I have only done this a few times, she holds our hands. And she takes us into the water and she counts to three and we all get in, Beth. And you're joining us today, no, aren't she's you? she's great. She's just so supportive, but also because she's felt the huge benefits of it. And you, you kind of get caught up on her enthusiasm. Okay. And she also looks amazing. Right, so the benefits <laughs> I mean, yeah. are numerous, yes? Yeah. They, they genuinely are apparently numerous. <laughs> I think it's because, of course, it's... I mean, the Scandinavians have been doing this for many, many years, haven't they? And humans in general have been for a long time. It's just we've sort of forgotten about it. But the idea... Yeah, it's the idea of the cold shock um, circulation. I've heard cold shock's really bad for you. <laughs> but then, you won't, the thing is, you have to be very careful. So you would only go in for a few minutes, essentially, at this, certainly at this yeah. time of year. I mean, in the summer, I was going in and sort of swimming around for about 20 minutes or so. This time of year, absolutely not. Okay. Maybe about five minutes and then get back out again. And a minute, actually, Joe would say it 
after 60 seconds you get the payoff. You get a flood of chemicals, I suppose. Rush, a rush of yeah, endorphins that right. make you feel incredibly warm. Look, you don't yeah, believe me, do you? But honestly, rubbish. It's, no, it's I, not. I think she's actually just recording this so that it's wasting time. Yeah. So she doesn't have to get in the sea with us. Are you ready to come and join us, then? No. Joe's not here yet, so I'm hoping she's going to be a little while, and I can just gear myself up for it. Thanks for this, though. Really looking forward to it. Joe has arrived. Oh, Queen of the Sea, really. as you've been. Uh, oh, thanks. I'll take that. Right. This is my first time ever. I should tell you, I don't go in the sea even when it's really warm. Even in a hot country. So, wow. your top tip for me would be just go for it. And it'll be amazing. And you'll love it. And you'll feel just so revitalized after and like reborn and like, yoohoo. And then your day will just be amazing. And then you'll start to get addicted to getting in the sea. And then you'll look at it all the time and be like, oh, I want to jump in because it's so amazing. Right. Okay. So, we're getting changed then. Good o. Have fun, girls. You might have to take your coat off. Well, you can't really hear them because I'm not going to go any further into the water. But they're about a metre in up to their waists and it looks cold. They haven't gone any further yet. They're standing there, but each half a metre they advance into the sea, the waves wash over them a little bit higher. Now Beth's, Beth's the only one still standing up. Christie's offered her hand to her. They're all holding hands now and they're going down together into the water. The wave breaks over the top, but Beth has a look of exquisite pain on her face. Nobody's got their head below the water yet. And no, they're all bobbing around like mermaids, sort of. What do you think, Holly? Do they look cold? They look like they're singing lullabies to each other. They do look like they're singing lullabies. Beth looks absolutely freezing. The others are sort of bobbing around. Joe's swimming. Joe's had a head under the water, I can see now. Christy still hasn't. There is a curious seal. The seal has got no idea what these women are doing at this time of year in the water. And maybe he's wondering if they've got a herring in their pocket. Has the sea just gone over your wellies, Holly? Oh dear kind of look like a slightly wet reservoir dogs actually just walking out from the <laughs> walking out from the sea how was that oh it was amazing okay i just i think i sort of freaked out a little bit but joe and everyone we were amazing and i kind of i did it and we were in there for more than a minute weren't we absolutely more than way more than a minute oh, we, we saw, saw a seal. saw the seal we were in with the seal i'm waiting now for the huge benefits which i'm sure are going to happen holly i'm going to be like woohoo What's going on with your feet, Holly? Wet. Hi, my name is Sean. And Sean, we're in Roots now, which I think must be the best part of any sea swimming peel, is uh, coming in for the tea afterwards. 100%. Sea swimming, you're big into it. Yeah, we absolutely love it. And I, I can't even remember when we started now. We've definitely been swimming since last year. But I think last year we swam up until like October, November time. And then we didn't swim again until February. But this year, hopefully, we can continue all the way through. And I've been told that there are numerous benefits to doing sea swimming. So from somebody who's done it quite a lot then, what sort of benefits have you seen for yourself? 
for me, the reason why I do it, and it's not that I want to do it every day, there's still that little kind of bit of fear or the apprehension of knowing it's going to be cold and just feeling like, oh, I don't need to do it, like, you know, why do I need to do it today? I did it yesterday or something. But it's that facing that little bit of fear every day, and especially I usually go first thing in the morning around 7 a.m., and then by half seven, it's like, I've already won the day. You know, anything else is a bonus now. So just going into your day, knowing that you've just swam in the sea in the middle of autumn, winter. Like, I just don't think there's any better feeling. You feel so accomplished. I'm like, if everything else is failing, at least I can be accomplished about swimming in the sea. And do you know what? The other thing is, I think... I have reached that point here on this Saturday morning where I've looked down and I realise I've got my dressing gown underneath my coat. I'm wearing my old skaggiest trousers and I don't care. And the thing, yeah, exactly, that's the thing. It's You don't care and no one else cares. There's so much more joy to be had in just, like, getting out of sea swimming and just, like, letting go of any of your worries. It's just amazing. Okay, well, I'll uh, wait to see whether I'm going to be back here next week. Yes, you will, 100%. I, everyone that's come sea swimming has continued to sea swim. There's no one that's really come and then not come back. I'm going to be part mermaid this time next year. <laughs> Definitely, I've got a right mermaid crew going on. <laughs> it's amazing. I love it. Definitely keep it up. So there you go, a new hobby. And I have to say, I have been back again. I did do it the following weekend. So there must be something and did in you it. feel invigorated and sort of... Do you know, it, at the time, I can't say I was sitting there thinking, this is fantastic. I did get to a point where my legs weren't so cold. Um, I'm not as confident probably as the others yet in terms of, of swimming. So I prefer to have my feet on the ground. But afterwards, when you get out and you sort of dry yourself and you're sitting in the, the coffee shop having uh, coffee and croissant afterwards, it's your skin is like zinging. You get this sort of tingle, which is amazing. So is that enough to keep me going? Yeah, maybe. And I kind of think, actually, if I can do it in November and December, surely it must be much easier in the summer months. You think so? Well, if you do it again before Christmas, I'll come with you. OK. I'll put my pink right. swimmies on and we'll Ooh. try it out. Really? Well, apparently. Oh, okay. Have you had a rummage in the archive? I have. Now then, I thought this would be of interest to you. There is a tape, and I think this is the wonderful Geraldine Jameson doing an interview about Irish whiskey, as far as I can understand. Okay, let me uh, push the button. Here we go. For them when they come over. Well, listen, thank you very much indeed for this potted version of a journey through the history of Irish whiskey. And may I say, would there be any chance of passing a shot of the golden nectar down the line here to this Jameson, you know, over here? Most definitely. I'll make sure to get it over to you. Uh, because you, you enjoy a large one on me. <laughs> because broadcasting, of course, is thirsty work, even if it is a Sunday. <laughs> well, we'll make sure that when you finish your, your next show, you'll have a large glass of Irish <laughs> ready for you. I'll make sure of that. Well, thank you very much, John and, Callally. And I just want last word, Johnny. Anybody, any of your listeners who plan a visit to Ireland, and who plan to visit any one of our centres, I'm guaranteeing them a most memorable and enjoyable hour. Well, I'm sure the welcome will be wonderful. <laughs> will indeed. We'll be waiting for them. <laughs> Thanks very much okay, indeed Jordan, for joining me. I actually found a nice piece of music that I thought might be appropriate to go out with our little talk this morning, and it's on Emerald Records, actually, a CD, and this is Roly Daniels with Whiskey on a Sunday. I love it. Thanks, Great. John. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow. Oh, hello. Geraldine was the Jameson. waiting for Whiskey on a Sunday, I was waiting then. for that as well. Um, I'd just like to report that our... Homemade lava lamp is doing okay. There's a few bubbles going up and down there. I wonder if I did put too much food colouring in, but um, it's a good thing to try at home with the kids, isn't it? Whack one last little bit of salting. Go on, right, make okay, a bit I'll more salt and uh, see what happens. Just lob a load in now, shall I? I'm, I've 
dispense with the spoon. I've just lobbed a load in. Oh, look at that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it is. Yeah, look at that. Wowzers. It's up and running. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us uh, for this series of Tamagindis. We will be back, fingers crossed, sometime in the new year. Anything you think we should be exploring, do get in touch and let us know. And until then, have a wonderful Christmas and a very happy new year. Absolutely. Do enjoy whatever you're doing, wherever you are. Stay safe. We will see you in 2021. Bye for now.